Hello and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to D1Softball.com for the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, fall schedules, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use Podcast 20, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 20 for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's new episode that features Florida Atlantic head coach, Jordan Clark along with a special international guest, which we'll get into, but I'm now joined by Rhiannon Potke and Petra Prokratz from Croatia. Uh, hi, everybody, and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. Hi. We got international flavor today. This is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Petra is here with me at the NFCA convention in San Antonio. Petra, uh, say hello to the D1 Softball uh, subscribers and listeners, and, and welcome uh, to the D1 Softball podcast. Hello. Thank <laughs> you for welcome. Good, nice welcome. <laughs> Reen, we'll start with uh, Petra's going to join in too when we talk about these D1 teams because I know she watches well, D1. Well, tell Petra, I just interviewed a Croatian tennis player last night. So, whose grandparents he goes and trains there in Zagreb? Is that right? Zagreb? Is that the capital city? Yes. So, yes. So, I, I'm all in this Croatian. It must be like a thing. We, we're just all, uh, he was a lovely junior tennis player that's committed to college. So, there you go. That is so cool. We have a lot of sports, like our sports are really high in that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so soccer and tennis are big there because that's what he played. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got a little bit of international. We'll do some national news and then we'll go to international. Um, let's start, <laughs> Ree, let's start with our fall reports of the week. Uh, Florida Gators, Tim Walton down there uh, in Gainesville. I know you spoke with him at length. Give us a little insight on the Florida Gators heading into 2023. Yeah, they've got a uh, 16 players back. So they were, uh, you know, they had some youth last year. So uh, they got a, some of their, obviously their top players back in Skylar Wallace, Charlotte Eccles and Kendra Falby for that offense. Um, the pitching staff that the newcomers are really going to contribute there. That's where they think that they got, um, you know, some people that can help because that's going to be more, you know, pitch by committee, kind of like last year. Um, he's hoping some of those, you know, can make strides, but just uh, really honestly a stacked lineup. And he's liked, and Tim's not one to effusive with praise, and he's already liking the offense so far in fall. Um, obviously speed like crazy when you have someone fall be and Skylar Wallace put up crazy numbers last year. Uh, so it's just basically to the, the one hole on defense that you can never replace is Hannah Adams. So that's going to be kind of some figuring out who goes where with that. But um, Lexi Dalbury, she didn't, she's been injured. So she's kind of recovering the pitcher that had a pretty good freshman season. Elizabeth Hightower's back in the circle as their kind of veteran of the staff. Uh, but really, really excited about, I think they're going to obviously, I mean, they, they made the World Series last year. Um, and I think they returned better. I mean, you can't replace Adams, obviously, but they do have some talent coming in. So uh, really would look out for them in the SEC. and. Um, yeah, just uh, I encourage everyone to read the rest. There's a lot more to them than I just said, but that's kind of a, a Cliff Notes version there. So that's the Florida Gators, Tim Moulton. Big, I mean, surprising run. I think we were all surprised to see them um, at the Women's College World Series, but that's a team that got hot at the end uh, and, and made a run at it. So that's the Florida Gators. Then we'll head to Michigan. We're heading to the Big Ten. Graham Hayes with a report on Bonnie Saul, the new head coach there. Uh, you know, it's interesting because it doesn't really feel like we know Hutch is legendary, but it kind of just feels like Michigan still. It, it was a smooth transition, and I know we'll see that heading into season. But 
there is a huge loss in the arm of Alex Soraka, which we all know she transferred uh, to Oklahoma and the Sooners. But, Ree, what are your thoughts on Michigan? I know you talked to, to Bonnie earlier uh, this summer about um, her taking over at the helm there uh, at Michigan. Yeah, definitely, like you said, kind of just, you know, a seamless transition. It's as seamless as you can get when a legend steps aside. Um, we've seen that kind of before in other sports where an assistant takes over with mixed success. So we're hoping, you know, Bonnie, she's truly earned it. She's earned that opportunity. No one loves Michigan more than she does. Um, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, it's just, you know, they lost a, a huge piece and they, you know, not just Alex, but other pieces too. Um, so, but just excited for her opportunity. I think she's, you know, it's, it's not easy, but I think she's comfortable in her own skin. And that's going to be the thing. People are going to be watching how they do under her, but um, I don't think she cares, which is great. Like she just, she loves being in Michigan. She loves Michigan. Um, their successor, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because it's, a, it's, you know, they added some great, you know, staff members and they still have some talent there, but they did lose a lot and they lost some transfers and everything. So just really interested to see how kind of what changes we might see that she puts her own touches on because she's been there so long that you don't anticipate wholesale changes, but I'm really interested to see kind of how she, uh, you know, just puts her individual touch on it and kind of how these players respond to having her as, you know, kind of, I guess you would quote unquote, move a seat over in the dugout type voice. Yeah. It, and you can't forget, forget about Sirocco, Bobian, uh, and Annabelle Weidra. So again, Dorbowski is going to be a huge part of that pitching staff and, and seeing what Lauren does. She had a 2.19 ERA uh, just a season ago. So we'll see how she steps into those shoes. Uh, but Lexi Blair is back. I remember that injury she had in, middle, in the middle of the season and had to come in and play in the infield. But she, she's back in the outfield. So keep an eye on Lexi Blair uh, and a couple of the newcomers for the Michigan Wolverine. Uh, that's Michigan. Then we head to the pack. Lovely Brady Vernon uh, put give us enough, a report on the Oregon Ducks, Melissa Lombardi. Uh, again, they reloaded for some transfers there. And, and the Ducks had a, a run uh, just a season ago and so head on over to the site d1sopple.com check out uh, what brady has to say about the oregon ducks re anything to add no again just it, it, i mean we talk about every team there's just new transfers coming in left and right you know back and forth so just interested to see how they adapt i mean i know that you know oregon standards are high up there and they you know, definitely are making some progress from her first year to this year but um Kind of interesting. They definitely need some help with the pitching, and I think they're hopefully they they think they address that, but we'll see. I mean, it's a tough, you know, it's always a tough conference and a lot of good lineups there. So um, I'm just interested to see how it all comes together and um, you know if those new additions really you know play out and how the, you know how some of the other ones have matured because they had some players that were thrown into positions last year too. Yeah, I mean Stevie Hansen did a heck of a job for them. We know Brooke Inez is now at UCLA, so again, I think you're right, uh, Re in the circle. They're going to look to replace that, but. Uh, with addition of Morgan Scott from UNC Greensboro and Elise Sukowski from UConn, uh, there's some arms that Lombardi is going to, I'm sure, plug and play there. So that's the Oregon Ducks. That's it for fall reports on the site. And we're going to get into our interview of the week with Jordan Clark from FAU taking over for legendary uh, head coach there at FAU, the Owls. Um, Joan Joyce. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> NFC meetings, long travel, man. I've been there. I've been there. So I'm here to get you. That's what teammates are for. Joan Joyce, truly a legend. And uh, if anyone hasn't, go back on our site and read Graham Hayes' story when she, when she passed away. 
did tremendous stories. So that'll give you some background. But yes, Joan Joyce was the one you were thinking of. Thank you, Reed. Oh, such a great teammate. All right, here she is, Jordan Clark from FAU. Hello, welcome back to the D1 Softball Podcast. Tara Henry here, joined by our guest of the week, none other than head coach of Florida Atlantic, FAU, Jordan Clark. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us this week on the D1 Softball Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to sit down, talk everything FAU, and um, just let the world know how awesome this place is. So we'll just go through Jordan's uh, resume for for a bit, and then we'll get into the actual interview. Uh, Four years at Ohio State with the Buckeyes. I got to watch uh, the Buckeyes uh, a significant amount covering the Big Ten. Uh, And then Arkansas, previously with Arkansas, three years with Courtney Dyfel there with the Razorbacks. Uh, and then player at Miami, Ohio. I think she's still got five of the top records, like hits, runs, uh, walks, uh, as a player at Miami, Ohio. So we'll start there. Jordan, how did you get into softball? Or actually, how did you get into coaching? Because I think that's a little bit more interesting of a story of when you decided you wanted to be a softball coach. Yeah, I mean, I am a small kid or small town girl from the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. And, you know, I didn't start playing fast pitch till I was 14 years old. And I didn't really know college was a thing to play softball. I knew people did it, but I just never thought it was an opportunity. No one in my family had graduated from college. And um, I got the opportunity to play at Miami of Ohio and had the best four years of my life. From there, it opened up so many doors to where when I graduated, I had some opportunities to be a GA. And honestly, I needed a break. And as much as I loved it and as much as it was the best four years, you kind of go through this identity crisis of softball is all you've ever done. And I went to school to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. What's next? And so um, so I decided that I was going to follow my degree. And I was a school teacher for three years. And I was the sixth grade teacher in Mississippi. And so from there, I started coaching travel ball. And I honestly thought that because I wasn't an All-American, because I didn't play at a Power Five, that I was never going to have the ability to be this big-time college coach. And so I honestly, I would be so mad at myself now if that's how my girls thought. But the fact that I did go out and experience teaching it helped fire that passion again for softball, and I really missed it. And so what led me to college coaching was that um, coaching travel ball, I met a ton of awesome college coaches, and they were like, hey, like, what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, I'm a teacher. And they're like, why aren't you in college coaching? And I'm like, I just, eh, like, it's not my passion. Like, I feel like I can make a bigger impact in the classroom. And so long story short, there's some amazing people along the way, and I'm forever indebted to Tim Walton. He um, made a couple phone calls. He gave me a couple opportunities. And he got me connected with Courtney Dyfel at Arkansas. And she took a chance on me, a sixth grade teacher from Mississippi, and welcomed me into the college coaching world. And that's what started this crazy journey. And it's not about what you know. It's about who you know in the start and building those relationships. And I think that's something that I'm forever indebted for, those early on relationships. I love that. And, you know, those are some pretty big names, uh, Tim Walton and Courtney Dyfel to yeah. start off there. So heading, so first uh, college coaching job was with the Razorbacks. What was yeah. that experience like? What did you learn from Courtney Dyfel and that staff uh, being a part uh, of Arkansas softball? Yeah, I think there's, it, it's very clear now why she's been so successful. And I knew it from the first time I met her that this is someone that, was going to be a mentor for the rest of my life. And, you know, we walked into Arkansas when Arkansas was rock bottom. We were one in 23 in the SEC. Um, We were RPI wise 
closer to the 150s. I mean, we were just not at a good place. And to go through that adversity as a staff her first year and to see her never lose faith or sight of who she was as a coach and didn't try to change because we weren't having the success right away was something that I will always value because it was never easy. And then to see Arkansas go from, you know, one of the worst teams in the country to a super regional team in three years and to be a part of that, that's Courtney. That's Courtney, and that's the buy-in of the players and trusting her and a vision that she had and allowing her staff to coach. I think that's what people don't realize is she's not a micromanager, and she trusts the area that you're in, and she puts a lot of value in the people around her. And so I just – I'm so thankful for her. I really am. And, you know, I really try to mirror things that she did in her program and just things that we're doing now in our program. So Arkansas, then you have a Senate, uh, Ohio State, and talk yeah. about legendary coaches. Then you're you're now the second coach in program history at FAU after uh, the late and legendary Joan Joyce. Now, I want to ask you this because I know it's been tough. Uh, the first, you know, when you were hired as the head coach and it was announced, there was a little bit of some backlash uh, in that community. How have you handled that? And what do you think you've learned uh, from that experience? Uh, and going forward, how have you used that to fuel the team? Absolutely. I think that, first of all, when you take over after a legend, regardless, you know, it is really hard. And the standards and the expectations of the program are so high. And, you know, I was so excited for this first head coaching job, nervous. I mean, all the emotions. And yeah, there was a little backlash because I am an outsider coming into an alumni rich program and someone that not a lot of people knew and you're a first time head coach. So there's a lot of things that are different. And I think I tell our girls all the time, change is hard in any aspect of your life. And so to bring someone new into this, this program was going to be a tough role. Um, I've questioned myself a little bit along the ways and making sure you're doing things right. And, but you know what, like at the end of the day, we have the most amazing team. They have embraced me. They have put their arms around me and they are so excited and everything that they're pouring into the program makes you want to be that much better as their coach and you know I wouldn't be who I am without our staff and I knew I needed to get that right and so you know I hired Taylor Smart as our assistant coach who was at Troy for eight years hired legendary Nicole Newman who was a stud at Drake on the mound played professionally and I think that you're only as good as who you surround yourself with and this process has been so much easier because I have amazing people that I trust beside me and to see the relationship they have with the girls, I know this program is in their right hands. And I'm so proud to be the new head coach. And we are, you know, rocking and rolling in the recruiting world. Our girls are killing it on the field. And there's just a ton of excitement around the program with donors, um, with administration. And I just, I couldn't be more excited. I'm excited for you, Jordan. And I I actually was able to see Jordan uh give a presentation on hitting. I think it was two years ago at the yeah. NFCA. And I will never forget that moment because of how confident you were and how you were able to just bring the room in. And I cannot think of a better person to be a head yeah. coach, um, especially at FAU. And I think you've always had that bright light in you. And um, I think everybody that knows you knows that you'll put the hard work in um, yeah. and you have that in you. Um, but yeah. I know it's 
<laughs> it's I know tough. it's tough, right? Like, you know, they always say you find out what you're made of when you take that head coaching role. And I'm so thankful for Kelly at Ohio State. So thankful for Courtney, because it makes you appreciate them that much more when you start to see everything that goes into running your program. And, you know, there's way more than just coaching on the field. And a lot of times, like as coaches, you get criticized for the numbers of wins and losses. And at the end of the day, we're trying to build strong, confident women. And, you know, you have people that come in your office and want to cry and, you know, want help and advice and like that's our job and so to know that they are valued and to know that I get to help them become their own confident woman is just awesome and so you arrive on campus you've been there through the fall what's it been like for you like you said this is a new thing stepping in the head coaching role what does a typical day look like for you uh, during the fall um at FAU yeah. Do you see bags under my eyes? I think that I haven't slept since June. Um, but in a typical day, I'm going to be honest, you know, come in the office early, leave late. And I think it's because I want it to be great. And I think that, you know, we we put in a ton of time on the field and had a ton of one on one meetings with players and position groups. And um, we did a ton of film and broke things down from the fall. And we just really invested in the time that we had together. I think the biggest thing is we spent the first week doing team activities and I'm big on, you know, you can't just create the culture on the field. You have to learn how to win off the field. And when you can learn to win in little areas of your life on the field becomes easier. So, I mean, if, if you follow us on social media at all, if you don't, I encourage you guys to do it because we have a lot of fun. I mean, we opened up on the beach. We're doing scavenger hunts. We're getting involved in the community and the miracle league. We're doing tons of things outside of it that seeing them come together on the field it made those moments together that much more special to show that you are more than just a softball player, that um, you can find value in all, all areas. Yeah, I would assume it's been quite the transition uh, for you from, head, from being at Ohio State uh, in Arkansas heading down to yeah. uh, Florida. What's that been like? What's it been like to be in actual some warm weather? Is Man, that I'm tan. I'm tan. Life is good. Um, honestly, though, it did take getting some like adjustment because – you are outside every single day. And, you know, we just finished practice a week ago and it was still 80 degrees and sunny. Whereas I'm not used to that. I'm used to having to come up with a practice plan inside. And now I can kind of understand the advantage that teams in the South have to playing in warm weather. And we have recruits that come down and they're like, wow, is it always like this? And I can honestly look at them and say, yes, it is. Um, and so I have enjoyed being on the field and being on the dirt every single day and hitting on the field every day and not having to come up with an indoor plan of how you're going to run practice and having to share space with football teams. Like that part is nice, I will say. Um, but yeah, South Florida, I will tell you from a quality of life standpoint, it is one of the best places to live in the country. And I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, we hit the jackpot. Like we hit the jackpot. And so let's let's talk a little bit about your squad, about the Owls heading yeah. into, you just finished fall and you've got a few returners. And um, what are you seeing? I mean, obviously uh, you've got your arm returning uh, mm -hmm. in uh, Gardner, Gardner, Lynn Gardner. Yep. Yep. Uh, she's there with you. But what are you seeing out of the Owls uh, this fall? And obviously you haven't been there very long, but you've yep. seen them um, and just finished. What are you seeing? Yeah, I think the biggest adjustment was, I think anybody in the country could have looked at our offensive stats last year and said, Ooh, okay. Um, and so we knew that was an area that we needed to get to work. And I think that was a big part of the process of me coming here was knowing that there is an offensive mindset that's going to go into play. Um, Lynn, 
is a horse. Like she wants to work, but she also needs some backup behind her when she doesn't have her best days. And so knowing that we knew that we had to hit offense hard. And so we spent a ton of time hitting this fall and a ton of time just breaking things down. I mean, there was a week that we didn't even swing a bat because we were working on the way that they move and how to use the ground and put their bodies in the right positions in order to swing. And there was some moments where their minds were like this. And so um, I think that was the biggest thing. The first fall game, we had a fall game and the score was 17 to one and we had 26 hits. And one of the players asked me, she says, does the scoreboard keep going with those many hits on the board? Like, it, and as silly as that sounds, it was, they're not used to seeing those type of numbers put up. And yes, it's a fall game and no, we don't know how it correlates to the spring, but I think that was the biggest thing is seeing offensive production and seeing them start to see all the work. So yeah, the, the offense definitely looks better. It looks different. Nicole has been able to take the hitter or take the pitchers and they're spinning the ball, their confidence, their swag on the mound looks different. Um, I think we have five deep on the mound, which is nice because it's not just Lynn. We went in and got a couple transfers, got a freshman and um, we have arms, which we knew that that was a piece that we had to build off of last year is Lynn couldn't do it by herself. And Gabby, who is a returner, she's going to shock some people and she looks different and it's a good different. And, you know, defensively, we only lost one person in the starting lineup um, to graduation. And so you're going to see the same team, but you're also going to see some freshmen and some transfers who are going to make a name for themselves. Let's talk about offense. What yeah. is like, what would you describe at your offensive mindset or, or how that offense is going to run? What, what is yes. your skill? Uh, I like pressure. I like pressure. Okay. I think pressure comes in a lot of different ways. I like speed. I like, you know, hitting for extra base hits. It doesn't necessarily have to be a home run. It can be a double, whatever it is, just pushing the defense in different ways. We talk a lot about understanding your role as a hitter too, that one through nine isn't going to look the same. And I don't want an offense that looks the same. You know, we have, you know, we talk about you're either going to be the big dog. You're going to be the dog that, you know, when runners are on base, you know what your role is and you're going to hit them in, or you're going to be the mosquito where it doesn't matter what it looks like. You're going to find a way to make a mess, be annoying. Um, and at the end of the day, nobody cares what it looks like. Then we talk about situational setters and you talk about in volleyball setters, you don't notice. You always notice somebody who's making the kill or somebody that's making the dig, the big time play. But if you know defense is your strong point, how are you going to find a way to set the person up behind you? And so whether it's bunting, whether it's moving runners, um, whether it's, you know, getting a walk, getting hit by pitches, it's understanding your role in an offense. And we want a balanced lineup. And I think that's the same in recruiting is I'm not just going to go recruit a bunch of kids that can hit it over the fence. Yes, that's great. But I want kids who can run and hit it over the fence. So, um, I, you know, as a hitter, when I played, I was five foot two and I was a slapper slash hitter. And I thought I was the best thing when I stepped in the box and I could hit a home run, even though like maybe my stats didn't show it. But, you know, I think that that's a big part of it is um, we talk about, you know, the type of energy you want when you walk up to the plate and just kind of trying to change the way they see themselves. That's the type of offense that we want. I, I think I thought the same thing, Jordan. <laughs> it's a little person thing. Like, you know, the five foot two, if, if I would have been six foot, the world would have hated me. I think it would have been too much. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned a few names, obviously, um, Tim Walton, Courtney Dyson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who else, you know, have you been able to learn from uh, in your coaching career that you can kind of um, give, some, give a shout out to? Where, who else? Yeah has been a part of your job. Yeah. 
You know, I think that Yolanda McRae, she's kind of the underdog that, you know, not a ton of people talk about when you think of Arkansas, you think of Courtney. And I think of Yo, and I think of, you know, she was the one that taught me that you're the first one in and you're the last one to leave. And, you know, you don't just teach things one specific way. You've got to get creative with different hitters and different styles. And she really opened my mind to hitting because I thought completely different with hitting before I met her. And then obviously, you know, she has the Georgia mindset in her coming from there. And, you know, Tony is somebody who has done amazing things in their lineup. And so I love listening to him talk hitting. Um, I look at, you know, Jenna Hall. She was an assistant with me at, at Ohio State. And there's just so many people along the way. You've got Sharonda McDonald at Michigan State, who I took her spot at Ohio State. And it's, it's learning from the people around you, um, I think, is the biggest thing. And there's so many more that I'm just thankful for our game because there's people that are willing to share and people that are willing to help you on your journey. You know, Lindsay at LSU has been a huge advocate for me in this process. And um, there's just a ton of people that I owe so much credit to and um, just constantly learning. I think that's the big thing is like not being too big for your britches and being able to listen, being able um, to not just listen because they're going to help you get to the next spot. And I think that some people get caught up in how is this person going to help me? versus like this person loves me and wants to see the best in me, whether it's, you know, hard advice or the easy stuff too. I think that's so important. Uh, how is this person loves me rather than what can I get from this person? Yeah. I think that's, that's really difficult for a lot of people. And yeah. gosh, it's, that's so great to hear. And um, I, I cannot wait to watch uh, no. this season, uh, but before I let you go, because I know you yeah. got to do, um, what are you? What's it like in Florida? Like, what are you doing outside of softball? Are, are you? Yeah, you have. I mean, I know you're in first and out, <laughs> but maybe like, do you, are you taking any time for yourself? Have you been able to explore Florida at all? You know, we're getting there. We are getting there. I think the nice part, though, I will honestly say, though, is, you know, this has been the season for recruiting. We've ton of, had a ton of official visits. And the nice part with official visits is you can go off campus and you can explore a little bit. And I know as silly as that sounds, we're getting to learn so much about South Florida by just having visits. And, you know, we're honest with recruits of like, hey, we're not going to try to sell you something that we don't know. We're learning with you and we're exploring new places together. And um, so I think that's the nice part is because we are getting out, we're bringing so many people on visits and so many exciting things happening around the program that we are getting to see more I will say like I love the beach I've loved the beach my whole life um, it's always been where our family vacation goes I got married at the beach um, so it holds a special place in my heart and you know I think seeing the sunshine and seeing um, the waves it puts me in a better mood I think that I'm somebody that I believe in self-care I do think it's important that you have to fill your own cup you can't expect somebody else to do it for you. So whether it's going to get your nails done, whether it's getting your hair done, whatever it is, finding time to do something for yourself at least once a week is super important because we are in a job where you are pulled in so many different directions. And if you don't learn how to take care of yourself, it's going to be really hard to take care of everyone else around you. So yes, I'm loving South Florida. I am enjoying every little piece. I love the seafood, um, going out to eat, trying new restaurants and stuff. That's been um, something that I like doing and um, I need to start working out more. That's one area that we can be better at and trying to find places in South Florida to do that, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, you can just jump in the weight room with the team. I should, I should, but the competitive side of me knows that I can't throw up those numbers anymore. So I want no part of being around the young bucks. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. Well, and with this, I know how important your family is to you, Jordan. Yeah. What, what was it like um, when you were able to tell everyone in your family that, you had accepted the head coaching role at yeah. FAU. Tell me what those conversations were like and what that meant to you. 
Yeah. So we actually did it a little backwards this time. So I knew when we were making the move to Ohio State, um, we had told our family and they're like, it's so far. It's so far. And I really let that jade how I felt about my decision because Arkansas is home. That's closer to home. And so this go around, um, we decided, my husband and I, to keep it close to our hearts. And we didn't tell anybody until the contract was signed and it was ready to be released because we wanted to make this decision on our own. And it's not because I don't love my family, because I do. And they're going to support me wherever I go. Same with his family. But this was our decision. And, um, you know, I honestly thought my next move would be closer to family and to be closer to home. And instead, we went 18 hours from Ohio and 15 hours from family. So I I went opposite of what I thought, but you know, it was the coolest moment was when I was signing my contract, my dad was with me and um, he started crying and it was like such an emotional moment because you know, all your life, you think your dad is tough on you. You think your parents are tough on you and every dollar that they ever spent on you, every sacrifice that they made, you know, it was for this moment. And to think that like you get to be a head coach at the division one level and it was a dream come true. So they cried, I cried. Um, and it was just such a cool moment. And, you know, my family's already come down to visit. Todd's family's coming down, you know, pretty soon. And, you know, we always say we're a plane ride away and um, this is our home now, but our family has been so supportive. Our friends, oh my gosh, like people will just make you stuff and send it in the mail that's FAU. And, um, you know, it's just really cool. Like I had a friend make me like, ev like this board that had every congratulations that everybody posted on social media about the job and put it into a picture frame. And it's one of the most special gifts I've ever gotten. And, um, just to see how small the softball world is and how much people appreciate and love you, you find that out when you take your next job of like, who really means it. And, um, it was, it was really special. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, you know, Jordan, I want to just congratulate you and yeah. I cannot wait. Like I said, I cannot wait to see uh, what you do, not only at FAU, but, um, you know, leading those young women there. I, I can't think of a better leader for them and just so excited and happy for you. And uh, thank you so, so much uh, yeah. for joining me this week on the D1 Softball Podcast. And hopefully you get to see you soon. Hey, I'm telling you, you got an open invitation to Boca Raton anytime you want paradise. Uh, we're hosting a lot of tournaments this spring, so come on down. We will take you. Yeah. What, what is your favorite tournament, tournament that you're hosting? What are the Ooh. dates? If I can, Ooh. I'm going to try and make it. Okay. So we're hosting three. So we're hosting the very first weekend. Um, okay. And we open up our season with Mississippi State. Um, we have Iowa in that tournament and we have a couple other studs in that tournament. Then we're going to go weekend two on the road to Florida Gulf coast. The third weekend we are hosting the Joan Joyce classic, which is going to be really special and near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And we want to blow that up and make that really big. We've got North Carolina coming, Wisconsin, um, and some other teams as well. And then that last weekend we are hosting the paradise classic and we have Texas state coming in and a bunch of other teams. So it's hard to pick which one is the favorite because, Honestly, the competition is going to be stacked all three weekends. But I think the Joan Joyce Classic is going to be something super memorable because doing this first in her honor and, you know, bringing back alumni and people that love her and just continue that legacy, I think is going to be a really impactful weekend. All right. Well, everybody stay tuned for the Joan Joyce Classic. Uh, that will be really, really special in honor uh, the late, great Joan Joyce. Jordan Clark, thank you so much for joining me this week on the D1 Softball Podcast. And uh, best of luck this season. Thank you so much.
Jordan Clark, FAU. Always love chatting with her. Love her energy and excited to see what she does with the Owls heading into 2023. I think there's a new energy around the program and she's got them ready and raring to go and really changing kind of that mindset there. Yeah, I spoke with her when she got the job too. Um, just the energy, you know, through the phone and one of those Ohio State assistants that's, you know, pipeline. This this was a big pipeline year for them in terms of getting out and getting some of their own programs. So it's really cool to see. I know she said that, you know, she uh, it's definitely a nice uh, weather change for her. I know she liked that 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 weather there. So uh, and again, like you said, the enthusiasm just oozes with her, and I think that's going to be a huge like adrenaline push for that team. Just kind of you know, you can never replace someone like Joan Joyce and the wisdom, but it is always kind of cool to have like a new fresh voice in there and then kind of mix those two together. So I'm excited to see what she does down there. It's a, you know, that school, man, they it's with the facilities and the money they have there. It's, it's kind of hidden gem. So I think it's ripe for having a program that could build up what kind of what UCF UCF has done. USF has done and kind of rival them a little bit. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so that's it for our D one supple podcast of the week. We'll just, I, I mean, it's rare that I have Petra here next to me, so I want to give her take on kind of what she's experienced at the NFCA conference uh, just thus far at the convention. We're here in San Antonio again. So Petra, first thoughts, and I know you've been to a few of these, but what's it like? I know um, coming over from Croatia um, to be a part of this NFCA convention, uh, what's it been like for you thus far being here? It was like a dream come true. So many coaches at the same place. Um, I've never been on a place like this. Like, <laughs> like 2,000 coaches. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, till now, it was like, I don't know, 30 coaches probably total <laughs> that I've been around, around the world. So this is really inspirational. And what do you think you can take back to Croatia, to Europe, um, in what you've learned here and the connections that you've made? Yeah, I could I could think, take uh, the inspiration. It's like uh, totally different and uh, things that I didn't know about teaching for now that I did. Um, but and connections, I hope that they will work and that we will come here again and they will come there and in Europe especially. And what do you think it's the biggest uh, issue in terms of development and growth of, of the game in Europe? Um, it's not part of the culture. That's, I think that's the biggest one because everybody knows about soccer, about basketball, volleyball, but softball, no. Baseball, no. <laughs> mm. So that is the biggest, I think, uh, struggle to teach people what is softball and why we like it. I love that. Well, Rhi, any questions for Petra? Yeah, Petra, how did, since it isn't part of the culture, how did you get, you know, the softball bug? How did it, it bite you and kind of how did you get into it? Yeah, my sister started to play and I just to first watch her how to, when she played. And then I started and it was like, I don't know, I got really in love with the game. So my husband plays and he's a coach too and my kids too. So, and my father was a president of the team and of the, uh, creation uh, Soval Federation for a long time because he loved what we did it was like he first we were there and then he came there and it's it's like our whole family is in that and that's usual for Europe and for Croatia you have few families that do that 
what do you think is most needed to build up the infrastructure there? What do you think, like you said, obviously the interest, but what do you feel like really needs to happen for that to, to grow to more popularity? Um, it should get into the schools. I think that's the key. So that would be the best thing. And there is a game like uh, Baseball 5 that uh, WBSC, so World uh, Sobol, Baseball Sobol Confederation did. Um, if we could get in the schools with that, in school programs, so it com we compete with that, that would be really helpful. Yes, and Petra sits on the board of the WBSC Development Committee, so she's the right person for the job. So Yeah, I just did that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I just started, so <laughs> I'll try to do something, but it really depends on um, so many things. <laughs> yes, we know. As many boards with us, worldwide sports things do. Um, that's awesome. Well, it's having someone that has a passion for you to do it. That's the, that's the most important thing. So thank you for doing what you're doing there to grow the sport. Welcome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I am so happy that we were be able to I was able to grab her from the hallway yeah. and uh, be able to take this podcast with Petra and Rian and Podki. Uh, head on over to the site d1sopple.com. Let us know what you think. Like, subscribe, and please send us an email uh, info at d1sopple.com if you have any questions. Tara Henry uh, for Rian and Podki and Petra Pukrayats. Yes. It, both <laughs> for the D1 Double Podcast. We'll see you all next week.